So, Dale, I don't know how much you know about therapy, but it usually starts by you telling me a little something about yourself. I thought there'd be couches and Kleenex and shit. Look at me, son. It's not your fault. Do you want to talk about some of those feelings? I love you. Obviously, you don't know me. So how's this supposed to work? You sit, I sit, we talk. Hi, I'm Dr. Sam. And I'm Dr. Fran. Welcome to Freudian Scripts. The podcast where I put your favorite TV shows and movies on the hypothetical couch and take a deeper dive into the way psychology is portrayed. We analyze the way therapy looks in entertainment, discuss the way psychological diagnoses are portrayed, and break down other psychological themes seen on our screens. As a reminder, Freudian Scripts is for informational and entertainment purposes only. Please consult your mental health professional with any questions and seek care if needed. The content and clips in today's episode may contain explicit language and mature and adult themes. Happy holidays! Woo! Happy holidays! (laughs) We're continuing on our holiday-themed trend, and today we're putting Elf on our couch. One Christmas Eve, Santa Claus got an unexpected gift of his own. What in the name of Sam Hill? Thirty years later... Let's recite the code of the elves, shall we? The best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. Buddy's discovering who he really is. You're not like the rest of us. I was sure when you cracked six feet that it would come up. My bad. You're not an elf. Now... He's taking a journey to find the family he's never known in a place where he finally fits in. Boy. And nothing's going to stop him. Sorry, your car's pretty. Will Ferrell is Elf. Catch the holiday spirit. Just trying to hug you. Elf is a 2003 Christmas movie, which I'm sure all of you have heard of and or watched at this point, about Buddy, who is played by Will Ferrell. Buddy was transported slash accidentally kidnapped by Santa and brought to the North Pole as a toddler and raised among Santa and his elves. Unable to shake the feeling that he doesn't fit in, and after discovering that he is actually a human, Buddy travels to New York at the age of 30 in a full elf uniform to search for his biological father. He finds his father, Walter Hobbs, who's played by James Kahn, a cynical businessman who is on the naughty list. Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) (laughs) Buddy helps to bring Walter's family together as they develop a relationship with Buddy and discover the spirit of Christmas, of course, while helping Santa together. If you are one of the very few people who has not seen Elf or it's that time of year and you would like to rewatch it, you can find it on HBO Max um, and for free to stream. And then you can also rent it on other streaming platforms. Plus... It is that time of year where this is often on cable um, many, many times on those countdown <laughs> to Christmases or yes. different things like Free we talked form. about in our, la- yeah, in our last session. Um, and this is actually Dr. Sam and I, in preparation for this episode, went back and listened to our Grinch episode, and it helped remind me that I actually said this was my favorite Christmas movie. So, <laughs> which To which I responded, I love Zoe Deschanel, so more on that later. <laughs> yeah, you'll be interested to hear Sam's opinion on this movie if you can hang with us till the end of the episode. <laughs> 
So we are excited to be covering this movie today. It is a very popular Christmas movie, um, and there are a couple of central themes that we hope to cover. You might be thinking to yourself, I've seen Elf a million times, like what topics are psychologically relevant, or what topics are Dr. Fran and Dr. Sam going to chat about? So one of the first things and one of the central themes that we really see in Elf is that Buddy, like I mentioned... You might call it a kidnapping, but he was adopted and raised by the elves, um, even though he is, in fact, a human. Um, And this is somewhat similar, as Dr. Fran mentioned, to our holiday session last year when we talked about the Grinch, because the Grinch was also semi-adopted when he flew in, you know, on the winds in his little little basket. Um, He was also adopted by the Who's, despite the Grinch being... Well, the Grinch, I guess, origin unknown. So also, you know, another character, creature, fantastical creature that is raised by um, people or other characters or creatures that are different from them. Yeah, so we start off with a very similar just general plot in terms of this baby ends up in the wrong world slash (laughs) place with different beings that are not his kind, I guess, but is raised by them. (laughs) But I feel like a really core difference between the Grinch and Elf is the involvement of Papa Elf, who ends up raising Buddy, and we can hear a little bit of him describing why he ended up taking Buddy in as his own. So, Santa had a decision to make. Fortunately, when it comes to baby, Santa's a a pushover. So Buddy stayed with an older elf who had always wanted a child, but had been so committed to building toys, he, he, well, had forgotten to, to settle down. Santa! Yes, yes, I I raised Buddy. I was his adopted father. So Papa Elf describes how he kind of really, even though Buddy was raised amongst all the elves, he took in Buddy and how he raised him and how he kind of grew up, you know, in this world with the elves. Um, And this is, as Dr. Brown mentioned, similar to the origin story of the Grinch. However, we do see that with Buddy, he's actually receiving a lot more support, you know, from the Mm -hmm. caregivers, so Santa included, Papa Elf, um, the Elf community as a whole, you know, even when Buddy sometimes doesn't fit in or sticks out, which we'll talk a bit more about, you know, the Elves still really try to support him and make him feel special. Um, That's a huge difference from the Grinch. So I will say the Grinch's caregivers, so the two, like, women that adopted him and brought him in, they tried to show him love and be caring and, you know, give him support in that way. But the rest of the Who's, especially the Who children, are unkind and bully the Grinch, as we talked about, to the point of him leaving and residing on Mount Crumpet. So a very different situation where Elf does, you know, get embraced and he is raised by the Elves versus the Grinch, who largely kind of grows up on his own at the top of this mountain. Yeah, whereas the Grinch is very ostracized and rejected, I feel like Buddy is very much taken in as one of their own. It just becomes increasingly more difficult to treat Buddy as just a regular elf um, (laughs) as he starts to grow and develop into like a full adult human in his 30s. He's like (laughs) (laughs) 6'2", 6'3". And it's interesting that he doesn't really recognize that there's these pretty big differences. At least we don't hear him say like, why am I five times the size of everyone else or these things like that. But he does start to pick up on that things are more difficult for him than his elf peers in making toys and um, kind of just the different tasks that they do in the North Pole. Like he's noticing that these things are harder for him than for his peers. Yes, and this really all climaxes when Buddy, you know, after he was in Santa's workshop and he is behind on making etch-a-sketches by like thousands i think he's like i've made 89 or 69 and the rest of the elves have made like thousands of etch-a-sketches um he overhears some other elves talking about how 
how can Buddy not have yet realized that he is, in fact, a human, right? And how does he buy into this all being special? And how does he not get that he's different? And so this really kind of sends him into a spiral and a frenzy because he apparently has not realized that he is different in this way. Hey, Fum Fum, I hate to do this to you, but think you can help me pick up the slack on those etch sketches No problem. I appreciate it. Buddy is killing me. Ernie got Lum Lum and Choo Choo pulling doubles. Quick thinking yesterday with that special talents thing. I feel bad for the guy. Just hope he doesn't get wise. Well, if he hasn't figured out he's a human by now, I don't think he ever will. And I think that scene's particularly sad, and luckily Buddy is able to bounce back from it. But what we see is that like the the elves have been acting as if they're like very welcoming and supportive, but then he hears them basically talking about him behind his back, saying like he's a big pain, they don't know how they're gonna make up for all these like etch sketches they haven't been able to make and they're kind of like saying nasty things about him but what he really takes away from that is that like everyone's been lying to him and like whoa i am not an elf i will say in the elves defense you know i mean yes this was an unkind moment i feel like that we see here that buddy overhears but i think we could also attest to like this is like no the elves have made him feel so welcome even though there are some of these glaring differences like he's not elf he's a human he really just feels like he's one of them like they have been so welcoming and accepting and i i think it's more almost akin to like a work dispute right it's not like the elves don't value or love him it's more like oh no we're behind on productivity it's not so personal as opposed to like we really need to get him out of the etch-a-sketch department (laughs) yeah that's fair i think you're right that in the grand scheme of things the elves have gone above and beyond trying to make this like a very open accepting and like accommodating place to the point that buddy does not realize that he's a human until his dad (laughs) tells him so finally papa elf kind of comes to terms with that he needs to tell Buddy his adoption story, and he goes ahead and gives him some background on how Buddy came to him and where his biological parents might be. Buddy, I, I think we, we have to talk. Buddy, I, I think there's something I, I probably should tell you. You should, probably should have found out a, a long, a long time ago. I then proceeded to tell Buddy of how his father had fallen in love when He was very young with a beautiful girl named Susan Wells and how Buddy was born and put up for adoption by his mother and how she had later passed away. I I told him his father had never even known that Buddy was born and most importantly, I told him where his father was in in a magical land called New York City. My dad works there? Empire State Building. And this really kind of sets up the whole movie for the main plot where Buddy you know, dressed as the elf that he thought he was, embarks to New York City to find his biological dad. Yeah, and before we dive too much into this, the main point of the movie, which is when Buddy, you know, trepses across the candy cane forest and the whatever <laughs> other things that he goes through uh, to get to New York City. Uh, but before that, we want to just take a brief moment to kind of just talk about, like, this adoption piece, because that's a huge part mm-hmm. of it, that essentially Papa Elf has adoptive Buddy into his home, and Buddy, at age of 30, is coming to terms with the fact that he has biological parents um, and a biological father. His mother has unfortunately passed away. But he's kind of learning about this and then coming to terms with that and decides he wants to go you know, meet his biological father and get to know him. And he actually gets really excited about the relationship that they might be able to have. 
Exactly, and while this is an atypical story about a human being raised by elves, this can be a typical experience for a person who has been adopted, kind of around when or if they find out about their biological parents and the fact that they are, you know, being raised by their adoptive parents um, and kind of talking about processing and then maybe potentially wanting to meet their birth parents down the road. So historically earlier, more like in the 1970s, most parents in the United States actually did not tell children that they were adopted. Um, and now, more current day, there is a general consensus by mental health professionals that it is ideal to tell a child early on that they are adopted. Yeah, I think this came from a lot of misconceptions about children not really being able to understand the difference between an adoptive parent and a biological parent. But research has continuously shown that kids pretty early on, I think nowadays they recommend even like from birth to two years old can be an opportune time to tell children that they're adopted, that like even very young children understand these concepts and understand the difference and are able to connect to both their adoptive family as well as maybe their background and their biological family as well. Of course, there are so many nuances to this and every family is going to be different. But generally, the research does show that people who find out about their adoptions later in life, such as in their 30s, um, like Buddy, might have more grief or a sense of betrayal that they feel like they've been lied to. And, you know, I can imagine it would become increasingly difficult to keep this from an adult child, um, especially like when questions come up about like your birth story or about like your early childhood or just things like that. And that and you end up having to lie in order to Mm -hmm. conceal the truth, which then as an adult, someone might be really upset that a family member has been lying to them about this whole history um, for years and years. I think you're right, Dr. Fran. You know, as children age and when they are adults, they're coming to things, you know, like um, like family history or things that might be helpful for them to know as it pertains to their own, like medical or psychological, psychiatric health and things of that nature. Um, and in Buddy's world, he does find out at the age of 30 and he does, you know, he takes it I guess as hard as Buddy can take it, but he takes it pretty hard. You know, we talked about he bounces quickly back, but he does take it hard because he does feel lied to and betrayed, and then there are a lot of questions. Um, So the longer that this secret is kind of held on to and not revealed, I think it can lead to those feelings of grief, feelings of confusion, feelings of betrayal, um, as opposed to when children are younger, starting to introduce them to these constructs, these concepts, and then sharing that information with them. Yeah, absolutely. And I think another brief thing we can talk about related to this is Buddy's like adoptive identity or like what it means to be an adoptive person. And he doesn't really come to terms with this until again, later in life as he navigates like kind of combining his elf history and growing up in childhood with his like human background and like human family that he grows to know throughout the rest of the course of the film. Um, but oftentimes like that fusion can actually be quite helpful. Like they've se- we've seen in the literature, you know, people might realize really early on big differences between them and their adoptive parents. And when they're able mm-hmm. to connect with biological families, they may be able to understand some of those personality difference or characteristics or why I am the way I am, which maybe didn't fit as well with that adoptive family. So there's a lot of ways that we can um, think about how those two cultures can be blended together to help someone have like a more holistic adoptive identity. Dr. Fran and I also chatted um, before 
recording this session, um, you know, obviously an elf and buddy, this is a silly example of a person who comes from the North Pole to, I guess, like North America and New York City um, more specifically. But we were amazed at Buddy's ability to kind of get out of the rainbow tunnel or wherever he came from and then navigate and walk all the way to the Empire State Building with nothing but a snow globe, right? But there are a lot of nuanced differences for someone coming from the North Pole to New York City. And as this pertains to adoption, in real life and not in elf, um, you know, some of these things can actually kind of be mapped on to more serious uh, subjects. So if people are adopted from other countries or, you know, having biological parents of different race or ethnicities from their adoptive parents. And so just that kind of identity um, and learning kind of more about their history, where they're from and getting a better sense of that can be important for people as well. Um, again, in the silly elf example for Buddy, he kind of feels a loss of identity when he realizes he's not in fact an elf and then is seeking out what it means to be human. So you could kind of extrapolate and imagine what that might mean for someone who maybe is learning that maybe their family is from a different country of origin or a different race or ethnic background, you know, things that, um, you know, could be potentially thought of in a more serious way as opposed to the elf-human difference. Yeah, absolutely. And again, for the sake of this Christmas lighthearted children's holiday movie, um, we <laughs> yeah. don't dive super into that. And Buddy continues to bounce back from these big blows, even learning that his biological mother has passed away. Um, they That's don't spend true. really much time on that at all. And Buddy doesn't seem to at least externally grieve the loss of her very much. I would imagine that would be something that um, someone in this position would, you know, kind of dive into a little bit more, but what the movie really focuses on is then Buddy's pursuit of his father, who is still alive, Walter, in the big empire state building, big city, New York City. He really wants to go and explore what it means to be a human and what this potential relationship with his father might look like. And interestingly, Dr. Fran, this did not hit me until just as you were saying that. I'm actually now realizing that there's just kind of a lack of any emphasis on the mother figure in this movie. Because even in the North Pole, he has a relationship with Santa and Papa Elf, and then he's seeking out his biological father, Walter, who is married. And we get a little bit of sense of that character, which we'll talk about briefly. But, you know, kind of generally, there really isn't any focus on the mom. And but he does have a picture of his mom, which he looks at, but we, we don't really have him dive into that. And this, this is a lighthearted kind of more children's movie for Christmas um, time. I think the bigger message here is that, you know, Buddy is different. Like, he's different in the elven world, or in the North Pole, rather. And then he's different when he comes to New York City because he does present as this elf. And it's still about being accepted and, of course, finding the spirit of Christmas. Obviously. It wouldn't be a Christmas movie without the spirit of Christmas. <laughs> and Buddy talks about the spirit of Christmas pretty explicitly. <laughs> but it's not really Buddy who needs to find the spirit of Christmas. It's really Walter, <laughs> his biological father, who he, again, has all these ideas ideas about like what that relationship might look like, how all the fun things are going to do together, how well they're going to get along. Can't wait to see my dad. We're, we're going to go ice skating and, and eat sugar plums. And he makes it all the way to New York City. Again, by what means we do not know how he made it from the <laughs> North Pole on foot to the Empire State Building, but he makes it there. So let's listen to when he meets his dad for the first time. Mr. Hobbs? Yeah, I think someone sent you a Christmas gram. Dad! All right, uh, let's get it over with. I walked all day and night to find you. Uh, you look like you came from the North Pole. That's exactly where I came from. Santa must have called you. Oh, yeah, sure. He uh, just got off the cell phone with me. You did? So, go on. Go on with what? 
Well, I, are you going to sing a song or something, or can I just go back to work? A song? Uh, yeah. Anything for you, Dad. Um, I, I'm, I'm here with my dad, and we never met, and he wants me to sing him a song. <laughs> and um, I was adopted, but you didn't know I was born. So I'm here now. I found you, Daddy. And guess what? I love you. I love you. I love you. Wow, that was weird. I love you. I love you. I, I love, love you. you. <laughs> so here, you know, this is this scene is a mixture of touching and creepy. If you kind of depending on whose perspective you take, I think because if you're thinking about. Um, Buddy's perspective, this is, he's done it. He's found his biological father. He's trying to express his excitement. It's a confusing situation for him because they're telling him to sing. So he just, you know, singing is part of the Christmas spirit. So he breaks out into song and he's trying to share maybe a little, um, he's trying to share very quickly his um, excitement and affection for his dad. However, if you're Walter, I mean, Walter's already pretty skeptical and hesitant and they describe him as a cynical person. He's on the naughty list. But even so, this adult man shows up in your place of work dressed as an elf and just singing this to you and it, i could see like why it could be confusing for walter as well <laughs> oh 100 percent. and they end up calling security which i think in this situation like in a normal outside of this movie context is probably what would happen in real life yeah. <laughs> um, they probably would be like something is going on i'm actually i will like say this and we'll definitely come back to like the mental health aspects of buddy's character potentially but i'm surprised that at no point in this movie some they don't send him to like a psychiatric inpatient hospital or even just like an an, an er like if they are expecting that this person is like delusional or like having psychotic symptoms or like out of his mind in some way like quote um then like why have they not sent him to like a mental health professional to check on how he's doing and if he's okay but that's a conversation for later this episode. That's very true. Like, if you don't take at face value that Buddy has, in fact, appeared from the North Pole, like, you might be concerned for this person. You might even consider, like, are is there a substance involved? Mm -hmm. Is there something, you know, kind of with their mental health going on? So at least taking them to potentially get the support they need. And at one point, Walter, after, you know, after Buddy gets kicked out of the office building, he goes and finds a department store, which is very festive and in the Christmas spirit. He ends up staying there and um, meeting some new friends and, and actually sleeping there. So then one morning, Walter's walking by the display and he sees Buddy there in the display and then just kind of ignores him and walks away. And then later things escalate. We'll talk about this scene a little bit more later, but it escalates to where Buddy gets in a fight with a fake Santa because, of course, they're a fake Santa and he does not approve of that. And he ends up going to jail. Um, and Walter comes to bail him out. And at this point, finally, Walter does take him to see a doctor because I think at this point he's kind of like, okay, this guy keeps popping up and he was like sleeping in a apartment store. Now he's getting arrested. Like, let's just see what like potentially is going on. I think his, his motivations are also a little less kind. He's not only trying to support him, but he also wants to get a test to see if Buddy's actually his son. <laughs> yeah, he finally comes to terms with maybe this is true only because Buddy knows the name of his childhood sweetheart or his high school sweetheart. Yeah. And because he knows the name, he's like, okay, there's might be some truth to this, but let me go get a paternity test from my friend who's a pediatrician who's now going to see this 30-year-old man who's kind of acting like a child and maybe experiencing delusions or psychosis, but let's at least get a paternity test. So I think you're right. His motivations are definitely not pure. 
but at <laughs> least Buddy, I guess, gets to go to see a doctor finally, though the doctor does not provide a ton of helpful information. No, the doctor confirms that Buddy is, in fact, his biological son. And then we can hear a quick snippet of how the doctor, I guess what the doctor says he thinks is going on with Buddy. It's a boy. Buddy's your son. That's very impossible. You you saw that guy. He's certifiably insane. He's probably just reverting to a state of childlike dependency. An elf, what he needs is to be nurtured. You'd like me to breastfeed him? Well, to just... Bring him home. Introduce him to Emily and Michael. And once once he comes to terms with reality, he should drop the whole elf thing and move on with his life. I mean, that's what I would do if I were you. What do you think of that formulation, Dr. Fran? Well, I would say it's not necessarily untrue what he says there. It's just <laughs> not very substantive. It's not that helpful. Yeah. He basically just says, like, oh, he needs nurturance. He needs you to be nice to him. Like, if someone yeah. is kind of reverting to a childlike state at to this level of intensity and really is convinced yes. that he's an elf, there's probably <laughs> higher level of care needed than just, like, being nice to him and providing him support. Um, but – it's a, it's a Christmas movie, so that is what solves the problem. True, I agree. And also, like, we don't really get a sense of how many questions this doctor even asks. I think he just sees Buddy, like, dressed as an elf. And I think Buddy, anyone he meets, he starts to tell the story of going through, like, the gun drop forest and all of that thing um, of that nature. But um, I, I think it is very simplistic. We can, we're can we going to talk a little bit more about this whole potentially reverting to a childlike state and what might be going on with Buddy um, in a little bit. But apparently Walter decides the paternity test is enough for him to feel somewhat responsible for Buddy. So he takes him (laughs) home um, and Buddy gets to meet Walter's wife, who's played by Mary Steenbergen, and Walter's son, Michael. Interestingly, I want to point out really quick. So Will Ferrell, as Buddy, obviously, in this movie, he is a repeat actor that we're having, you know, especially playing a, a major role in one of the movies or TV shows that we've put on the couch. But interestingly, Mary Steenbergen, also plays Will Ferrell's mother in Step Brothers, which we also covered Will Ferrell. And not only that, but she plays a very similar character. So the dad finally brings Buddy home and he explains everything to his wife. Um, And she's kind of the one that's kind of pushing for them to take him in, invite him for dinner, let him stay. She's kind of offering that support. And every time Walter gets mad and kind of expresses his concerns, she's always very forgiving and very supportive. And it reminds Mm -hmm. me of the mother character in Step Brothers, you know, compared to the dad in that movie. He's always getting really mad at the at the boys um but i think she she's pretty uh consistent of a character in this movie too also forgiving buddy's kind of like um uh antics <laughs> yeah and even just like how lucky is walter to have this woman in his life that he basically says yes. i have a child who's 30 years old that i didn't know existed and i'm gonna bring him home and she's like walter this is wonderful like she's so happy <laughs> and excited like doesn't even bat an eye at like what this means and any kind of disruption it can cause she's just like consistently like patient and loving and kind even when buddy comes and like causes some turmoil in their house oh my god walter this is is wonderful you you have another son wonderful gosh i i guess i never really thought of it that way this is incredible you know 
it's a little complicated, but it's nothing honey, that we can't handle. Honey. I agree. I thought that same thing when she, you know, he's telling her the news for the first time and he's prepping her to walk in. She was just so supportive of Walter. Doesn't even, like you mentioned, doesn't even bat an eye. I was, you know, I think that's, those are great character characteristics, um, great qualities, um, but also surprising in a way. And then he even tells her, like, well, let me just warn you, he thinks he's an elf. And she just, she just rolls with it. <laughs> Yeah, she's a very calming presence for Buddy, whereas Walter yes. is very um, kind of combative or, like, dismissive of Buddy. She's very supportive and, like, tries to eat his pasta that he makes her with maple oh, syrup yeah. all over it. She's like, mmm, delicious. Like, she's really <laughs> trying to make Buddy feel at home and um, feel okay. Like, again, she's thinking of it from this perspective of, like, here's this person who grew up who knows where under who knows what circumstances who's coming, trying to reconnect with his father. I think she's, like, trying to take that all into account and being, like, as supportive and as kind and welcoming as possible for this likely very challenging distressing situation for Buddy. Yes. And through this situation, Buddy also learns that he has a half-brother. Um, and so the brother character is also one that's a bit hesitant at first. You know, this adult man shows up into your life and, and you learn they're your brother and they're dressed like an elf. It can be, you know, a little unsettling, I'm sure. And at one point he leaves the school and Buddy's just been sitting out there for five hours waiting for him. Um, and Michael tries to, like, run away and get away from Buddy. But Buddy ends up coming to his defense when they're attacked by snowballs and they end up having some nice moments where they bond. Um, and uh, Michael, the brother character, also becomes like a supportive character um, for Buddy. And Buddy and him actually kind of bond or at least like communicate over the fact that Walter is not the most present father, even for Michael. So even though Michael didn't grow up in the North Pole, you know that Walter's really driven by work. He's not really around much. Um, and only cares, Michael thinks dad, the dad only cares about money. And so Buddy kind of says, like, well, dad just needs more of the Christmas spirit. All he does is work. Working's fun. Not the way he does it. All he cares about is money. He doesn't care about you or me or anybody. Well, he is on the naughty list. Yeah, I again, there's a lot of parallels between some other movies we've covered, specifically like Step Brothers. We've got these two... Yes. Um, brothers who are like brought together and there's some hesitancy at first at least on Michael's part and then at some point during that snowball fight they essentially turn to each other and say did we just become best friends? <laughs> yeah, that's true. So uh, Buddy and his brother become friends at least. <laughs> so as Buddy and Michael grow closer and as uh, and as Buddy kind of comes to terms with the fact that Walter's not really who he thought he was um he again he knew he was on the naughty list but i think he was still hopeful about what their relationship could be and he kind of realizes that you know walter's not super excited to have them there he seems to be very inconvenienced by buddy they end up having you know a big falling out after mm -hmm. uh buddy accidentally ruined like a big pitch that walter <laughs> is trying to deal with which is a very inappropriately funny scene with Peter Dinklage, um, yeah. the actor Peter Dinklage being called an elf. Um, and at this point, Walter yells at Buddy, telling him to get out of his life like he wants him gone. And so Buddy, you know, he's nothing if not very compliant. Like throughout the movie, when people express kind of like a desire or a wish or tell him to do something. So he decides, you know, once again, he didn't belong with the elves and he doesn't belong here with his human family. Um, so he kind of decides and start and he leaves. You get the hell out of here. Where do you want me to go? I don't care where you go. I don't care that you're an elf. I don't care that you're nuts. I don't care that you're my son. Get out of my life now. 
And it's a very sad point in the movie because you're, you know, you realize that Buddy is feeling, you know, really horrible. Like feeling like he doesn't fit in in this human world. His dad doesn't care about him. He doesn't really fit in in this elf world. Um, and so he's kind of coming to terms with that. And then there's a whole climax with Santa's sleigh yeah. not working and crashing into Central Park and there's horsemen chasing them and there's Buddy trying to <laughs> save Christmas by working on the sleigh and then there's Christmas spirit singing that saves the day. Yes, just as Buddy always proclaimed, singing loud and clear spreads the Christmas cheer. Best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. So Buddy, you know, he kind of comes to the rescue of Santa and everyone, you know, some people in Central Park realize that Santa's real, Christmas spirit is enhanced, um, and then the movie does end with Buddy remaining in New York, um, with his with Walter and his family, and also seemingly marrying and having a child with Jovi, Zoe Deschanel's character. Well, and I think, again, like, the end kind of is a testament to him finding a way to converge these two seemingly yes. incompatible worlds. So he ends up, you know, having a good relationship with his biological father, his half-brother, Walter and his family. Um, mm-hmm. And then he also ends up spending time back with Papa Elf, who is the man who raised him, who's clearly very important to him, you know, showing him his child was Zoe Deschanel's character. And so, again, we're kind of seeing him find a way to converge these two pieces of his worlds together um, to create this, like, this bigger family and this this group of people that are very important to him. So we really come full circle, as Dr. Fran touched on in the beginning, um, that adopted children can often be curious about their biological parents and their family, their origin story you know we definitely saw that with buddy and then that curiosity he sought out finding his biological family and the other humankind (laughs) um and is able to bridge both of those worlds at the end so definitely a happy ending christmas spirit for everyone But our analysis is not going to stop there. So we've kind of talked about the trajectory of the film and how it ends on this very happy note. But we've also kind of alluded that if we take a step back and look about the psychological underpinnings of what might be what might be going on with Buddy, there's a lot of question marks or um, kind of yes. like red flags of like what is happening with this person. And again, from the perspective of everyone in the movie besides Buddy, from the time he enters New York City, they're working under the impression that elves are not. Really Santa's not real, that this North Pole wonderland doesn't exist. And so at face value, it seems like Buddy may have some pretty significant mental health concerns going on. Concerning, to say the least. And so if we take a step back, and from that perspective, if we're thinking that Buddy was not actually raised by elves and Santa, what diagnoses might fit for what we see going on with Buddy? So one of the first things that came to our mind was delusional disorder. So we do a deep dive on delusional disorder in our session on Shutter Island. So if you've not listened to that one, definitely give it a listen. It's a a great suspenseful movie, and we really covered delusional disorder in that session. Um, But as a reminder, so delusions are fixed beliefs that someone has that do not change. So even once a person is presented with evidence that conflict what that belief is, their, their ideas, their beliefs are really unchanging. For them, that is what they think is real. So in the context of Buddy, if we think that elves and Santa are not real, here is Buddy dressed like an elf. He believes he was raised by elves. He believes he was from the North Pole. He knows Santa. He works in the workshop. That definitely presents as one of these fixed beliefs that, you know, we have evidence 
potentially to say would not be true. Yeah, and he is continually presented with evidence, at least from the human perspective of why this story can't be true, right? So there's the fake Santas. Um, even actually Santa tells this, him this early on of like, there's this rumor going around that the parents are the ones who put out the toys and <laughs> eat the cookies and things like that. And Buddy's like appalled. He's like, how could anyone ever believe that, right? So even yeah. when he continues to be presented with potential evidence, at least from the human perspective, that this is not true, that this cannot have happened, he continually sticks with this belief, um, which again, from that outside perspective, would potentially fall into this category of delusional disorder. Yes, and it does cause buddy impairment. And we talked about the department store that he goes to kind of like seek refuge at. He starts to kind of like work there. I'm pretty sure they don't pay him. He just like shows up dressed like an elf and they let him, I guess, volunteer. But anyway, that's a different point. Um, He, you know, he right away gets here. They're like, this is Santa's workshop. And he's like, no, it isn't. No, it isn't. And then they're like, this is Santa. And he's like, no, it isn't. No, it isn't. This is the North Pole. No, it's not. Yes, it is. No, it's not. Yes, it is. No, it isn't. Yes, it is. No, it isn't. Right? And he actually confronts the fake Santa and says he smells not like Santa and that he's living on a throne of lies. And this leads to an altercation, which, like we mentioned, gets him arrested by the police. Who the heck are you? What are you talking about? I'm Santa Claus. No, you're not. And uh, what can I get you for Christmas? Don't tell him what you want. He's a liar. Let the kid talk. You disgust me. How can you live with yourself? Just cool it, Zippy. You sit on a throne of lies. You stink. I think you're going to have a good Christmas, all right? You smell like beef and cheese. You don't smell like Santa. Okay. <laughs> so these beliefs are getting him into some trouble. They are impairing his ability to do his quote-unquote job and interact with others and stay out of trouble with the police. And you could imagine them potentially being dangerous in a way of if he continues to kind of push back and like assert these beliefs that there could be some situations where it's not safe for him to like continue pushing in, you know, again, he ends up being okay. And like Walter comes to bail him out of jail. And for the most part, people respond to him in an okay manner. But you can imagine that this type of situation could escalate so that it's also dangerous for him in a way. Yes, definitely so. And Buddy presents as very childlike, you know, maybe because of living in the North Pole, but in this sense, if we're thinking the North Pole's not real, if you met an adult his age that presents as very childlike and that their idea of reality might be altered from those around them, you could see how this could be really dangerous. Um, one of the other criteria for delusional disorder, other than having one or more delusions that persist for at least a month, like we mentioned with Buddy, definitely applies. He's had this delusion, I guess, his whole life. Um, but the other one is um, that he does not meet criteria for schizophrenia. So, we're not going to go into all of that criteria, but seemingly we don't get a sense that he is having some of these other symptoms like hallucinations or uh, things of that nature. Um, and another thing states, though, that while his functioning might be impaired, the behavior is not noticeably strange. This is where I ca- it kind of draws a flag for me because I feel like his delusions and his beliefs, you know, they do stand out because he is dressed like an elf. So, like, his attire stands out. His behavior is really catching attention. Um, so that would be one thing that I'm, you know, we kind of see that this is ha- it's more pervasive around him. 
Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I think another important differential when we're thinking about delusion disorder is how much a manic or depressive episode might be playing into that, which I think leads us to another potential diagnosis. Again, when we're thinking in the context of if Santa and the North Pole and elves are not real, um, we do a deep dive on manic episodes and bipolar disorder specifically in our Silver Linings Playbook episode. So if you're wanting to learn more about bipolar disorder or manic episodes, we won't do a deep dive on it today. So we definitely recommend checking out that episode. But briefly, when we think about mania, we think about having a period of at least one week where a person is very high spirited. Um, We don't know exactly how long it takes from like when the time buddy learns that he is a human to the end of the film. But let's say for it's about a week or so, or at least a few days, like buddy is very high spirited throughout the whole movie. Okay, people, tomorrow morning, 10 a.m., Santa's coming to town. Santa! Oh my God! Yes, and so that's one of the things, and we're going to go through some of the brief criteria that might um, might suggest that Buddy is experiencing a manic episode. But my main argument against this one would be that these like signs, symptoms, or you know, just Buddy, however you want to uh, put it, is more of a constant, you know, as opposed to a very subscribed period of time, like a week or two, where he's experiencing this. It really seems to be pervasive, right? We get the sense like this is how Buddy has always been. In the context of Elf, it's maybe because of his home environment being raised by elves. In this world where elves are not real, it definitely stands out, right? And so one of those things is less need for sleep. So Buddy, oftentimes we see him not sleeping, and he even comments when he spends the first night, I think, at Walter's house, um, he built this like beautiful rocking horse. And they're like, oh, wow, like you built that, Buddy? He's like, oh, yeah, I only slept 40 minutes last night. And we just kind of get the sense that overall he's not sleeping much. In fact, he's usually kind of focused on some other activity like decorating the department store or building the rocking horse. Yeah, and I think that leads to another potential symptom of mania would be having a lot of activities going on at once, scheduling a lot of things. So again, like multiple times we see him with this very like goal-directed activity of like, decorating all of Santa's workshop, quote unquote, at the department store or like building a rocking chair or just like doing all these like very intense, like very involved projects um, all within like a very short amount of time. Yes, he definitely, that definitely fits with Buddy. The other one is that they can talk more than usual, talk very like kind of we described it previously as like pressured speech, a lot of speech, talking loudly, talking very quickly. Um, We don't have a baseline to compare for Buddy. You know, this is like kind of an increase in that. So we don't have that baseline comparison, but he definitely seems to kind of overall talk very loudly and quickly, kind of talks a lot. And then also kind of related to that, like being very easily distracted. So I think a great example of this is when he's in the doctor's office. And again, it might be partially because he's nervous. He doesn't really know why he's there, but he is just constantly distracted, asking questions. So I think it's a nice example of a potential combination of like the pressured speech plus easily distracted. Yeah, so while we see overall Buddy has some of these symptoms potentially, um, and he does have this like great energy, the lack of sleep, being very high spirited, um, as we mentioned, it seems like these might be potentially more of a constant for Buddy as opposed to like a change or a shift in a certain amount of time. So one of the other things Dr. Fran and I were curious about, and something definitely, you know, if Buddy were to walk into our office and maybe not dressed as an elf and maybe if we weren't talking about the whole like Santa North Pole piece, right, and not thinking about the delusional disorder piece of it, one of the other things that we would be curious about to assess for Buddy would be attention deficit hyperactivity disorder or as it's commonly known, ADHD. 
And so people with ADHD, and it can be in both kids, adolescents, and adults, show a persistent pattern of inattention and or hyperactivity and impulsivity that interferes with their functioning and day-to-day life or their overall development. Yeah, and I think the piece you brought up about that length of time is super, super important here. So where we think of some of the like distractibility or like high energy or pressured speech to be consistent with a manic episode if that's happening from a for a very short amount of time and is a big change from someone's like typical level of functioning that might lead us more to think about mania however for someone where this is a persistent thing that's been going on for them usually since childhood always since childhood to some extent um, then that might lead us more to think about is this something like a neurocognitive or neurodevelopmental disorder like ADHD where this is something that has been going on for this person since childhood as opposed to you know uh, a manic episodes that's usually more discreet. Yes. And when we think of ADHD, um, there are different components so or different presentations, I should say. There can be the combined presentation where people are um, exhibiting symptoms of both inattentiveness and that hyperactivity and, and impulsiveness, or they can have predominantly just the inattentive presentation or the predominantly hyperactive impulsive presentation. So when we're thinking about Buddy, we want to assess both of these components to see what best matches him. Um, We're not going to dive too much into the inattention, but in order to get the inattentive presentation, for people that are 17 years or older, so for adults, they have to have at least five symptoms of inattentiveness. And so for Buddy, really, the ones that stuck out to us were that he has trouble holding attention on tasks. So, you know, he's kind of easily um, distractible or he'll focus on one thing and then jump to the next. And then that folds into the second one, which is that he's easily distracted. So we do see some of this inattentiveness, kind of like, you know, he'll jump from one topic to the next, usually Christmas related. Um, But those are the two biggest ones we feel like he meant for the inattentive aspect. However, it's a different story when we look at the hyperactivity and impulsivity for Buddy. Yeah, absolutely. And similarly with this uh, subtype, there is also a requirement of having at least five of these symptoms for adults 17 and older um, within this hyperactivity impulsivity category to meet criteria. And he seems to hit quite a few of these. So we've got often fidgets with or taps hands or feet or squirms. So again, we've got this doctor office scene where Buddy is moving around. They're kind of almost having to like hold him still even just to get a finger prick from him despite constant redirection. We're here to do a test. Come on. What, what kind of test? Just to test to find out if you might son. Why am I sitting on paper? Because it's sanitary for the other patients. Now sit still so I can do the finger prick. (gasps) Finger prick! Yes, he cannot sit still, right? He's like pointing and jumping all over. And that kind of shows the distractibility too. Because he's just like, what's that? What's that? He's like kind of, you know, jumping around there. Also, another thing that we would see is often runs about or climbs in situations where it's not appropriate. Or for adolescents and adults, this might also look more like just feeling very restless. Um, I think that Buddy kind of um, fits into both of those categories. And again, this is because maybe he's an adult, but he presents as very childlike. So we see, you know, he is very restless. He's kind of constantly moving, kind of fidgeting about. And then in some situations, like the Christmas tree, for example, this also shows kind of this impulsiveness. But when he needs to put the star on top of the tree, his solution is just kind of to run and like, jump on it. So quite literally, like jumping about in situations where it's not very appropriate and maybe unsafe. (laughs) Yeah, I think that relates to some of the other common criteria within this hyperactivity impulsivity section of like often being on the go looking as if someone's like driven by a motor. Again, this can kind of be a question mark of like mania versus ADHD. We might see like some similarities there. But for Buddy, it really seems to maybe fall more into this hyperactivity impulsivity piece where he's just like constantly has energy and, you know, he's having trouble keeping focus on one thing or maybe he is keeping focus, but he's just kind of going, going, going. 
Yes, always moving very quickly, like literally in the scene with the snowballs. He is like, looks as if he really does have a motor. (laughs) Related to that high energy, he also meets the criteria of often talking excessively. So there are a lot of scenes where he's just kind of talking, talking. um, Also, as if driven by a motor, often about Christmas or Santa, or when he kind of gets into that mode of telling his story about how he got to New York. I feel like that's another example of that one there. Then I traveled through the seven levels of the candy cane forest and passed a sea of swirly, twirly gumdrops. Yeah, and then I think the final one we noted was likely applicable for Buddy is often interrupting or intruding on others. So like butting into conversations, having trouble waiting their turn. I feel like this is a constant for Buddy throughout the film. Like he gets very excited and then he kind of interjects or he like blurts things out without really taking social cues or without really being able to have that like restraint in the moment. Yes, and the biggest example of this is when he in fact does crash his father's important work meeting where they're working with a new writer that is played by Peter Dinklage. Um, and we can listen briefly on this interruption. Uh, I'm in love, I'm in love, and I don't care who knows it. Buddy, uh, not now. Uh, can you please go back to the, uh, to the pit? I'll come visit you in a little while, okay? I didn't know you had elves working here. Boy, you're, you're hilarious, my friend. Uh, he doesn't... Uh, Get, get back to the story, please. Uh, so, on the cover above the title. Does Santa know that you left the workshop? You know, we're all laughing our heads off. Did you have to borrow a reindeer to get down here? Buddy, go back to the base pay. Jackweed, I get more action in a week than you've had your entire life. I've got houses in L.A., Paris, and Vail. Oh. Each one of them with a 70-inch plasma screen. So I suggest you wipe that stupid smile off your face before I come over there and smack it off. You feeling strong, my friend? Call me Elf one more time. He's an angry elf. And so that's the scene that kind of causes the big falling out between Walter and Buddy. So again, very impairing to his functioning and just his relationships around him. So Buddy, in fact, does meet that criteria. He hit five of those hyperactivity and impulsivity symptoms there. Um, Typically, these symptoms do have to be present for at least six months to an extent that it is disruptive and inappropriate for the person's developmental level. We don't know all the history and we don't know the timeline of ELF necessarily, but like we said, we can kind of assume from the film that this has been a constant for Buddy, so he would meet there. The other thing is that these symptoms would be present in an adult um, or an adolescent even before the age of 12. So you kind of want to see that consistent pattern throughout their development. Um, we don't have those details with Buddy, of course, but we you know, kind of can imagine at least the way they portray him in the film that this is how he's been. And then typically when you are diagnosing people and not only people that have appeared from the North Pole, you would see these um, symptoms in two or more settings. So oftentimes for children, for example, it's like school and the home. For an adult, it might be in their place of work and in the home and kind of making it difficult to complete tasks. And ADHD symptoms are more frequent in males with about 2.5% of adults meeting criteria for ADHD. So it is more common in children, but we do see it in adults as well. And like Dr. Sam alluded to earlier, within the way that we currently diagnose ADHD, we have these three different options um, within our DSM-5 that we are currently using as of now. Um, There is a predominantly inattentive presentation, so that's when someone mostly hits criteria in that first bucket of symptoms we went through, or someone who might be predominantly hyperactive impulsive, which it seems like Buddy definitely seems to hit criteria more so on that side. And then there might be, um, there are also individuals that might be a combined presentation. So they're hitting both in that inattentive and that hyperactivity piece. So it sounds like we would lean towards having Buddy either in that hyperactive impulsive presentation or potentially in that combined if we were able to get more information on that inattentiveness piece. 
Agreed. I believe that is the diagnosis we would give to Buddy. And even kind of going through the other diagnoses, I feel like if we're thinking about um, him not being from the North Pole and not raised by elves, I'm mostly leaning towards the delusional disorder. But if we're also thinking of him just like taking away the Christmas and elves piece, just the way he presents and the way he interacts with people, I'm leaning more towards the ADHD, predominantly hyperactive and impulsive um, presentation. And, you know, there is some correlation between having, like, an ADHD diagnosis and some level of perceived, like, immaturity or um, kind of, like, emotional um, functioning in some ways. There can be some correlations with, you know, difficulty with, like, picking up on social cues or, you know, again, you might hear about, like, that, like, butting into conversations that could potentially cause some problems in peer relationships. So there are some of those correlates that might come up, not necessarily to the extent that we see with Buddy of, like, him reverting, quote, to the this, like childlike state, um, not quite to that extent, but I think there are some pieces there that also seem to match with this potential diagnosis. Indeed, I think that's a great point. And we would be remiss to not address a new diagnosis graveyard while we're on the topic of ADHD. Diagnosis graveyard. We are here to lay to rest the diagnosis of ADD, or Attention Deficit Disorder. Um, this is a bit of a pet peeve of mine, only because, I actually, as we did the research, this diagnosis has been dead. It has been put, laid to rest since 1987. <laughs> um, and I just think <laughs> folks just don't know that, right? We oftentimes hear no. the term ADD. A lot of times people assume that that's the version of ADHD without the hyperactivity or impulsivity piece. Um, but in fact, True. as we described today, now we have this umbrella term, which is ADHD. And within that you can identify whether someone is more of that inattentive versus hyperactive or combined. But the ADD term has actually been, you know, not around since 1987. Hear ye, hear ye. R.I.P. ADD. So <laughs> you heard it here, maybe for the first time. It's ADHD. <laughs> and shifting away from what we might possibly diagnose Buddy with, so we were kind of thinking – you know, and and there can be some criticism within psychology and just like the mental health field that oftentimes there can be a focus on um, the negative symptoms or the things that are wrong or how do we fix, you know, things that are causing impairment. Um, so if we shift away from that and instead of thinking about what was possibly wrong with Buddy or what we might diagnose him with, you know, regardless of whether or not he was raised by elves, we can also see that Buddy is pretty resilient. You know, we talked about like he made his way through the North Pole and wherever else he traveled with seemingly no money and on foot, made his way to the Empire State Building. He found his father and even through some of these challenges, you know, learning that his biological mother's uh, deceased, learning that he was adopted and or kidnapped by Santa, you know, all of these things. He still appears pretty happy, pretty positive. He, I would say overall, Buddy has a very optimistic attitude, very positive demeanor, right? Um, and we see that he also overcomes challenges. So there are times where he feels like he doesn't belong, either with either with the elves or with the humans. And a lot of times, too, he just feels like he's not good at anything. Like when he gets kicked out kind of of Santa's workshop, he, you know, I, I didn't count, but he actually on several occasions just says, like, I'm not good at anything. And he does have his periods where he's feeling kind of down. However, he always turns it around. He can focus on the positives. He focuses on those things that bring him joy, whether it's like sweets, maple syrup, spinning around till he vomits indoors, you know, whatever it is. He really does focus on that. Um, so when I was watching Elf, 
This really reminded me of a branch of psychology that's called positive psychology. And so this type of psychology really focuses on character strengths or behaviors that focus on and really allow someone to build a life of meaning and purpose. And it's kind of moving beyond just like merely surviving to where you're flourishing and thriving. Yeah. And I like that you brought this up, Dr. Sam, because although we don't see Buddy go through therapy or we don't at least know of any counseling or therapeutic interventions that he's gone through, he does seem to somewhat represent some of the strategies or interventions that might actually be used when taking a positive psychology approach, um, which are generally aimed to boost well-being, enhance positive emotions, behaviors, and ways of thinking. Exactly. That's what struck me as well. Like he kind of naturally would use some of these pieces that are often like prescribed or practiced in positive psychology interventions. So one of the first one is something, um, one of the first strategies that I felt like we kind of saw a buddy participate in or engage in is expressing gratitude to self and others. So in the context of positive psychology, gratitude has been found to be associated with benefits and in increasing someone's happiness and just their overall satisfaction. Um, and this really, these kind of exercises can just be like identifying or naming people that you would like to thank or things that you would like to feel grateful about, um, something that you would like to feel more positive or motivated about from the inside. And so I think we see this with Buddy in particular, like kind of a small, silly example. When he first gets to New York, there's like these two guys that are just like handing out flyers. Everyone's like ignoring them, throwing their flyers on the ground. But Buddy is actually really grateful. He grabs the flyers with excitement and just says thank you. And kind of throughout the course of the movie, we see that he's genuinely really thankful and appreciative of others for small things that they might do for him or for other people around. Yeah, I think that's a good point, and it fits a lot with another potential intervention, which is engaging kindness activities. So this could be a range of different things. I think the biggest one we see with Buddy is complimenting others or helping others in need. Um, he loves verbal affirmations and just like yes. giving people credit. Um, every time he sees a sign on a coffee shop that says World Best Coffee, he like is super excited and congratulates <laughs> them on that of a job well done. You did it! Congratulations! World's best cup of coffee. Great job, everybody. It's great to meet you. Um, even the scene where he's walking around Walter's office and he's just complimenting people and saying nice things to them. And you can really see the impact that this has on other people around him, right? We may be in a culture that doesn't always, especially in this like high power executive business, New York culture, you know, stereotypically, <laughs> there's not a lot of complimenting going on and like being nice to each other. So you can really see how much this impacts and like lifts people's mood um, and then in turn makes Buddy feel good too. Yes, my favorite is when he compliments Walter's, I believe, executive assistant, and he really just, like, changes her whole day. <laughs> Hi. Do you remember me? I do. I didn't recognize you. I know. I'm in work clothes. Thank you, Deborah. Thanks, Deb. Deb, you have such a pretty face. You should be on a Christmas card. You just made my day. And then one of the final uh, activities I feel like we see that kind of Buddy engages in that is often a part of positive psychology interventions is um, making meaning or meaning-oriented. So really understanding what's meaningful it, what's meaningful to someone in their life and why and what you can do to achieve that in your life. And so for Buddy, we know kind of some of the things that are really important to him, right, from the movie family, um, and the Christmas spirit. And I feel like those are the things he really gravitates towards and takes steps towards connecting. You know, he goes to seek out his biological father. He tries to bring Christmas spirit to the family. He tries to help Santa to increase Christmas spirit. And I feel like kind of really that kind of goal-directed behavior towards these things that are meaningful to him. Um, this can also look like 
just reflecting on your own thoughts and emotions. And we also kind of see Buddy at certain points when he is being a little more thoughtful about like some of his feelings and things like that. Um, And so the reason why we wanted to point out positive psychology and some of these interventions is because research has shown that these interventions or some of these strategies that are used in positive psychology have been found to enhance subjective and psychological well-being. So kind of someone's like overall like satisfaction with how they're feeling, how they're doing, and reduce depressive symptoms. And I think in the case of Buddy, like we mentioned, we don't know if he was in therapy with elves or humans, um, but he overall demonstrates a really positive mood and a lot of happiness. And maybe because he engages in these types of tactics in his everyday life, they could possibly contribute to his overall positivity. And with that, I think we'll move into our overall impressions for Elf. And maybe I'll go first just to leave you all in suspense a little longer about Dr. Sam's reaction. Um, I really love this movie. I think Will Ferrell is excellent in this. And I think what I had said in The Grinch when we had talked about our favorite Christmas movies is the reason I like this is because it is a Will Ferrell movie without kind of the like really like slapstick like really like inappropriate humor. It's like in a more, I don't know, um, family friendly way. Yeah. Wholesome. Um, I think like there's some really, um, I think there's some clever ways that they like take this storyline and then have Will Ferrell like really act in this role. Like he gives it his all in terms of like really diving into his role as buddy, which just is really funny. And I imagine like when they film these scenes in New York city, like actual New Yorkers walking by and being like, what is happening? (laughs) Like what is going on? So I just appreciate the humor. And I think, I think you're right. The wholesomeness of it. All right, Dr. Sam, the listeners are dying to know. What do you think about elf? Okay, too much suspense at this point. I think Dr. Rand, she's been hyping it up because when we got on today, I was just expressing how for some reason, I know this movie is beloved. A lot of people cite it as their favorite Christmas movie. I am just not the biggest fan. Like, I honestly, like, kind of start to fall asleep while I watch it and I... I don't know why. I do agree, though, Dr. Fran. I feel like the acting is great. Like, Will Ferrell is really good in the role. Um, I, As I mentioned, I do love Zoe Deschanel and, like, anything that she does. And um, I thought the acting is really good. And I do... I do like the wholesomeness and I love Christmas movies. I don't, I think for me, Will Ferrell, it's just always a certain type of comedy. So even though it's not like the slapstick in a kind of more raunchy way that sometimes he can be known for, I feel like you still have that overly silly comedy. And I just think that that doesn't always resonate with me. So usually Will Ferrell movies, the more you watch them, at least me personally, the more I watch them, I kind of start to think they're funnier because I develop attachments to the characters and I know it, you know, it just, I start to quote it and I, it becomes funnier to me. For some reason with Elf, it doesn't have that same effect. It's like every time I watch it, it's like a fine movie, but I just don't love it and it's not one of my favorites. So, you know, I know that that's really a hot take out there for the listeners. I do appreciate, you know, that it was creative and cute and i do think it's a great family oriented christmas movie just not my fave (laughs) sounds like you need a bit of the christmas spirit dr sam i have a lot of christmas spirit it's just (laughs) not for elf and buddy (laughs) Uh, all right (laughs) sessions up for elf Back to the North Pole, buddy. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Our session is over today for Elf. 
Don't forget to check out our website. We will put some glossary terms and resources on there. Also, let us know your thoughts on the movie. We want to hear if there's other... <laughs> Dr. Sam doesn't want to be alone in her hot take on Elf. If this is not your favorite Christmas movie either, please reach out to us. One of my favorite movies is actually It's a Wonderful Life. So a lot older, not quite as comedic of a movie, but I do think would be a great movie to put on the couch given all of those topics. So maybe one day we'll put that one on the couch. But otherwise, yes, I'd love to hear everyone's opinion on Elf. Well, happy holidays, everyone. We will return in the new year with sessions on Ted Lasso, which actually has a very great Christmas episode in the most recent season. So it is a, a good holiday watch as well, I will say. And the movie Side Effects with a special guest. Find and follow us on social media at Freud Scripts Pod, where we will also post our monthly Freudian scripture spotlight. And as always, please subscribe, rate, and review. And don't forget, if you leave us a review and let us know, we're still sending out our really cool Freudian script stickers would be a great holiday gift for someone yes add it to your holiday cards all right time is up see you next session we'd like to thank our producer brandon creative director eric and webmaster don i love you i love you i love you (laughs) i love you